can, I'm allowed to mis- make mistakes. Yeah, here. but not in the first sentence. All yes, right. I am allowed to make mistakes <laughs> in the first sentence. Welcome to the Simpleton Podcast. Uh, I'm Laura Heeman, and I'm here with Clark Massey. I'm in Washington, D.C. He's in Kansas City. And today we are going to talk about uh, the founding of a simple house, um, which is something that we're often asked about a lot. Clark is the founder. And Clark, you started thinking about uh, starting something like this maybe late 2002? I think that's right. You know, we started out in Washington, D.C., and my situation was probably since I left grad school, I really wanted to be a missionary and I really wanted to be do some ministry work with the poor. Be, I wanted to be real mm-hmm. friends with the poor. And um, I, I kept running, when you're Catholic and you want to be a missionary, you kind of run into this problem of like, do you join a religious order? Do you become a priest? Like, what is a Catholic missionary? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't quite find an order or a group that um uh fit well right you know? and you weren't you weren't like just a like you know 21 22 year old fresh out of college you'd had a job and stuff and i mean not, i was like 24 that... okay i mean i was like 24 to 26 yeah. in that time frame you yeah. know like going visiting religious orders and i kind of had this problem that like it was a weird moment in the church like um there was this kind of like orthodoxy in the church and unorthodoxy in the church. Like there were these orders that were just kind of like, like doing their own thing, like not really Mm -hmm. believing in the church's teaching. And it's like, why would you give your life to this? You know? Yeah. And then there were these other orders that were more or less orthodox, but some of them were crazy too. I mean, I remember going to one order and they were giving their novices a class I sat in on where they claimed um, the antichrist had come to earth during the French (laughs) revolution, you know? And it's just kind of (laughs) like, Well, maybe, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, this is my novice formation, you know? Uh, The other thing I remember well is I went to visit the CFRs for like three days and it was very powerful and I was really miserable. And it was very powerful because I saw them doing what I kind of wanted to do. Like they were very Mm -hmm. much with the poor. They were taking the Bible and St. Francis very um, literally say, Mm-hmm. And I was just like miserable the whole time I was there and I couldn't quite figure it out. And Father Bernard, who I think became head of the order, but he was novice master at the time, talked to me and he was just like, I think you have a vocation, but I don't think it's here. Yeah. And I'm very Great. glad that all happened. Yeah. I have a sense that maybe it was because they didn't let me have coffee while I was there. And I was such a big <laughs> addict that that could have been why I was miserable the whole time. <laughs> but I remember a whole yeah. lot from that visit. Like that was a, just mm-hmm. a powerful three days, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But I kind of got myself in a situation where I wanted to be a missionary, but I didn't have an order I wanted to join. Yeah. And it and I was living at the Catholic worker Mm -hmm. and it all kind of came to a head where I wrote a really long letter to my spiritual director, Father Adam at Conception Abbey. And the letter had like three options. I'm like, because Father Adam's really big. He gives this talk like where you and I've talked that uh, we need to somehow get Father Adam's talks and then do dramatic yeah. interpretations of him so that when he <laughs> yeah. when he goes into heaven, we'll be able to do Father Adam talks for people. Right, right. <laughs> well, one of his famous talks is don't be a loser. Right. He has these like categories that you have to do in order not to be a loser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them is kind of like to commit yourself and to like kind of go for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
That's not what the category is called. I know Father, I'd be mad that I'm not using his category names. It's like have life insurance, have a library card, have a mailing address. Right, or three of the categories. Right, yeah. Those are the yeah. Don't be a loser. So I needed something to not be a loser, you know? And my three ideas were I love the Desert Fathers. What if I try to go be a Desert Father out in Arizona? Because I loved Arizona. And uh that was a weird idea in every yeah. way. And then the other idea was, how about I go join a religious order that seems to do what I want it to do, even if I just don't like the religious order, which is mm -hmm. a terrible position to right. be in. You know, it's like right. for the religious order, too. You don't want people joining who don't actually like your religious order, you know? Yeah. And then the third thing was, um, what if I do something called Simple House? I had the name and it was a hybrid of the Exodus and Catholic Worker Ministries that we discussed. And I wrote this up in a letter and I mailed it to him. And then I went out to Missouri to meet him. And the reason why I started mailing Father Adam letters was we had a problem that I would go to like spiritual direction and he'd be so excited to see me that he'd talk the whole time and I couldn't get any words in. Yeah. So I started <laughs> writing him letters to make sure I got all my words in before I arrived. Yeah. <laughs> and then he could just like go off, you know? Right, right, right. So I went into his office and uh, he went off. And I couldn't tell. He was so happy to see me and he knew what he I should do. And I, he wouldn't tell me what I should do. He was just like, you know, and then he goes, yeah, you should go for Simple House. And, and he was he basically said, go for it. Go for it like it's permanent. This is advice I give to people today. Even do something like you're going to do it for the next five years. Don't do don't just put your toe in. You know, don't mm -hmm. do it like you're going to do it for three months. Do it like you're going to do it for five years. And it may completely fail. Yeah. And if it fails, it will be fine and you won't be in any worse position than you're in right now. And yeah. uh, it'll be great, you know, mm -hmm. even if it fails. Yeah. And that was like very freeing. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that yeah. was kind of like that meeting. I probably went and filed the nonprofit paperwork for Simple House a week after that meeting. Yeah, that's great. I remember um, one of the things I think maybe was frustrating you uh, or you couldn't find like I I remember I mean we still talk about this a little bit like wh where can a lay person like take the Bible seriously you know and like where can a lay person like read the story of the rich young man and say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do this you know and not with kind of half measures or sort of symbolically or something but uh, and that was something that you kind of wanted and then also you saw the value of you know like monastic life right and and you wanted you wanted that experience yeah uh, and i remember you and i were like walking in circles around the shrine so many circles <laughs> like what we do is we would like discern like laura was my sounding board for my discernment during this period and so yeah. we would like go on these walks after like adoration yeah. or something and just circle circle <laughs> circle hashing out these ideas right yeah. and then that was that was a huge amount of support for me during that period um and then you became the first chairman of the board when I filed the, yeah. that paperwork, yeah. you know, articles of incorporation and things. I, I remember also talking in those conversations. It was like we were trying to figure out, like, who is the poorest of the poor, you know, in Washington, D.C. That was kind of an idea. Like, yeah, we were trying to figure out. But, yeah, we lots of lots of time. And Washington, D.C. was very. Everything's so racial and like. Um, political right now that I hate using this word, but it was like super segregated, like yeah. in a way that I have not seen 
and it wasn't segregated formally, obviously, but it was just like there was just a line in town that white people did not live across that line and um, right. particularly the Anacostia River. And mm -hmm. I think today the property values have gone up so much that everybody grabs any property they can, no matter what yeah. neighborhood it's in, yeah. you know, and that yeah. this is kind of uh, integrating or displacing people, whatever you want to call it. But um, but back then there wasn't, you know, people yeah. doing that, you know. Yeah. And um, it was very much another country in a way yeah. or another. It was a fully different place, even though it was two miles away. Yeah. So so the southeast, like east of the river, um, almost totally like African-American population. Um, there is like some pockets of nicer neighborhoods, but mostly poor neighborhoods, lots of projects and stuff, too. Um, and, you know, I I grew up in this area, so I didn't really like as an adult, when I went to other cities and kind of realized there wasn't like racial tension that was kind of palpable, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> um, because that, that was very much in D.C. Um, yeah, like in Kansas City, the poor part of town has poor blacks, poor whites and poor Hispanics um, yeah. and even uh, Asians, you know, mm -hmm. uh, living together. You know, um, it's not like they're getting along fabulously or anything, but yeah. it's not just this like you just went into, a, you know, like I remember during that time, I uh, looked at the census data when kind of looking mm -hmm. at Simple House and where we're going to do ministry and stuff. And I remember looking at the racial part of the census data and it said that the zip code was 99% African-American. Yeah. So 1% right. was Asian, Hispanic, white, and probably white, people who refused to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was like, it was a very different kind of feel. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't like, when I say it wasn't bad, I mean, I guess I think, segregation's not great but what i mean by that is like it wasn't like the area sucked i mean it was like cool i mean it was um we even had people who moved out of southeast into better neighborhoods who every day their kids would get on the train and go right back to southeast because it's where they yeah. wanted to be you know yeah or, or people that moved into a nice part of town and moved back because they kind of missed southeast yeah. yeah there were nice neighborhoods yeah. too like the good hope neighborhood and yeah. um it just had a lot of character and was just a neat mm -hmm. A neat, yeah. a neat place to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, people, people were nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. They also were more native D.C. Like, the yeah. D.C. natives seem to be, like, some Georgetown people and the southeast D.C. people. And then yeah. the middle of the city right. seemed to be, like, people who were here who'd spent a decade or two. But it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of native D.C.ers in between. Yeah, you, you kind of had to find them, right? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that was kind of the situation we were kind of getting the ministry born into. But it was like, I remember that the, the place I worked, we had a black office manager and he was a really cool guy. And he like sat me down and was really worried about me when he knew what I was going to do. Yeah. That I was going to move to Southeast. And he was just like, I'm not sure you're going to make it, man. <laughs> and I didn't know if I was going to make it either. I was like, yeah. uh, you know? Yeah. Because everyone was so scared of it, and uh, he was yeah. warning me. And in, in yeah. the end, that warning was not necessary because, like, it's just fear, mostly. Yeah. You know, it's like, I should tell the story the first night at the house, but because uh, that's when the fear got to the worst. Yeah. Well, do you want to, should we talk about what the house was like? Um... Right. 
we basically got the cheapest house in Washington, D.C. I think it was less than 50 grand. Yeah. It had no furnace, no HVAC, no plumbing. <laughs> Everything yeah. had burst and had been abandoned. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like an 1880s house, I think had been built for railroad workers back in the 1880s or something. Yeah, yeah. A little, yeah. Um, it was probably a complete fire hazard death trap house because it was all wood that was bone dry. You know, <laughs> there wasn't firewalls separating you from all the other townhouses that were also nope. 1880s wood houses. Yeah. Um, yeah, we found it and um, very lucky to find a house we could afford at all, you know, in any condition. Yeah. yeah. And the first three, four months of the ministry was just fixing up the house. A donor bought the house. Yeah, a donor right? bought the house. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. At that point, uh, we were very committed to not owning property as a ministry. Yeah, you know? yeah. Actually, so a uh, thing I remember, you know, you wanted to take the back to the rich young man story. Uh, you wanted to take that seriously. And I remember you sold all your stuff, like literally sold all your stuff. Um, and uh, you put all your money into the ministry, right? Um, yeah, the idea was to put all the money in the ministry and even make the ministry poor, like to say that yeah. we couldn't even save money as a ministry. We, we thought we would never have more than like whatever, however much money you had, you needed to spend a third of it. That yeah. Month. So that, like every three months we were totally using up. Yeah. Right. You never. And yeah. sometimes we only had a week's worth of money. Sometimes we had less. <laughs> sometimes we had a day's worth of money. We're jumping ahead in the story, but like in about 07 or something, I don't remember the year, you might remember it, but we got a $30,000 check in the mail. Around Christmas? Yes. Yeah. At that point, have we changed to a $200 a month stipend? No. That was like, no. no. So we were like living off like $100 a month. And uh, every, every meal was canned goods, essentially. Yeah. And um, you uh, were going to announce that um, we couldn't take stipends and we had to kind of close down the ministry for a second because we didn't have money for gas, right? Okay, uh, this, okay is a, this is a true story you're telling and it's a different story than the $30,000 story. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. All right. No, you that happened. Story, and then we got like a $10,000 check or like, like literally we were sitting down to, that was in 09, I think we were okay. sitting down to meet because it was a big group of us. So I knew the community yeah. was pretty big. That's why I think it was in 09. We were sitting down to meet about cutting back on everything. And then we checked the mail and the mail was full of an amazing amount of money. Yeah. And then I was like, well, this meeting doesn't need to happen. <laughs> and that okay, was just so awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. no, this was a deal. There were a couple of donors in the early years that made a huge difference to us. One was a guy out of Houston. And I remember he used to send us 500 bucks a month, which was like amazing Yeah. Uh, for us. Huge boon. Uh, one time I accidentally threw away that check for some reason. I don't know why I threw it away, but yeah. I had to go through all the trash out back oh finding the, the donation, yeah. you know. But then, um, no, but so one time after Christmas, we're doing fine financially, I think, because usually Christmas, people are very generous with us. And right before the year end, I'm cleaning the house and I pick up this piece of mail and I open it and it's $30,000. And that, just to give context, is like five or six times the biggest donation we've ever received. Yeah. You know, and I kind of didn't believe my eyes or didn't tried not to let myself 
like immediately lose it, you know? So then I just put the thing down and I kept cleaning the house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I kept wondering like, what do I do with this? Is this real? And how do I think? And the person who sent it, I'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. Right. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I, I kind of cleaned the house and I kind of didn't do anything for two days about it. And then I got this call from somebody I didn't know said, did you get that check? Cause we haven't heard <laughs> anything from you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this man and his wife from Dallas, Texas. Yeah. And um, he, they both were accountants, and he had just been going through the accounting data on the GuideStar website and found our uh, IRS filings and just thought, I'll give to that ministry because basically <laughs> they hardly have any money and it all goes to the poor. So <laughs> he just sent us $30,000 out of the blue after just seeing our website and our you know yeah. IRS filings, right? And... Um, then I went to meet him because I'm from Dallas. So I went to visit my parents and went to meet him and they were just great people. And he just passed away. Oh. Yeah. And we just, we only know he passed away because people started sending us donations in his memory. Wow. I know. So his name was Chip Nichols. Yeah. Uh, and he and his wife, I think were members of St. Rita Parish in Dallas. And they also, my memory is they taught, uh, pre-Cana classes for people getting ready to get married. And that was very neat because they were older than me, but they would flirt with each other like all the time. <laughs> and they said, this is part of our witness is that we are oh, good. <laughs> old and married and flirt all the time. They, they were good. just great people. So yeah. Um, yeah. All right, back onto it. The house. We got the house the very last day of 03. And, the, and there were a couple issues happening that I probably would have handled differently now that I understand real estate better than I do now. But one issue was the bank wanted to sell the house the last day of 03. The donor wanted to make sure the house was insured and the insurance company would not insure a house that someone didn't live in. So we didn't like tell the insurance company it doesn't have HVAC or plumbing or anything, but we yeah. needed to be honest and tell them it was being lived in. So on New Year's Eve, when we got the house, New Year's Eve, I had to go live there, at least sleep there, yeah. I thought, to just for the sake of the insurance. Yeah. Right? So that means it's like, you know, January, bitter cold, and I'm in a sleeping bag on a hardwood floor, you know? Yeah. And um, brought some water, water so I'd have something to drink, you Didn't know? Didn't you, uh, like, put Christmas lights on the door? Yes, I was terrified, right? Because <laughs> of everything I'd heard, so I put these nails on the hardwood, on the door, and then I would wrap these Christmas lights around the nails so it looked like a cross, like a yeah. big glowing cross, and plugged it in. <laughs> and all of this is kind of ridiculous in hindsight, you know, like, that I was this afraid. I guess it was ridiculous. I'll keep going I, on with I the don't story. Know. I think, I think if, if you remember what it was like in dc at that time it was i mean people would say like don't go there you know yes yes i and, think we and, were all being ridiculous though is the point oh yeah um, sure sure no but i mean your fear wasn't out of nowhere <laughs> right, um right. yeah i remember so I, I i laid down that night and was going to sleep and was very excited very happy very scared you know and all of a sudden, all this gunfire starts. <laughs> and it just like, it wasn't like a random shot. It just kept going and going yeah. and going. It was like a half hour of gunfire. And I just thought, you know, wow, this may have been the biggest mistake of my life, you know? Yeah. And um, 
but I wasn't going to give up on it. It wasn't like they were shooting at my house. It was just lots of gunfire outside. Yeah. Like there was Happy a battle New going Year. on. Yeah. 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 But what it really yeah. was was Happy New Year. Everybody <laughs> in Southeast would yeah. fire their guns up in the air on New Year's. Mm -hmm. And um, so then the next night it wasn't a problem. But that was a very scary night. You yeah, know. yeah. And later I'd meet people and they'd be like, because there were so few uh, <laughs> white people in Southeast, people knew me like I was kind of famous. Because yeah. it'd be like, you'd be at the grocery store, oh, you're the dude who lives on Minnesota Avenue? <laughs> Got that, that Christmas tree lights on the front of his door in the cross? <laughs> yeah. You know, like I just yeah. like, just could recognize me because I stood out so much, you know? Right. Right. But anyway, so yeah. I guess the cross was good. I want people to understand why I thought I was there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I think that is important when you do yeah. uh, ministry and missionary work. There's a, there's a distinction in how people treat do-gooders versus Christians, um, both in Kansas City and Missouri, that if you go to help the poor and you're a do-gooder, you're treated differently than if you're a Christian. Why, why did you think it was important to live in Southeast? Because I didn't want to be like a weekend warrior. I didn't want to be some, I wanted to be really with people and I wanted to have solidarity and I wanted to really be their friend. And I don't think it was done for any dramatic reason. It was just done that are we really going to be, you know, equal friends and neighbors, you know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. right now, like, as I recount this, it all sounds so stupid because it's like, yes, these are people, duh. These little kids walk. Yeah. I remember thinking this to myself even at the time that little kids every day are walking to the elementary school at the end of my street. They're not yeah. all dying from gunfire. You know, right. like like people just aren't getting randomly shot all the time. Yes, there is a very high murder rate. There's all these things, but yeah. it's not random, basically, yeah. right? Um, so anyway, so there was a lot of fear, but um, I think most of it was irrational, I guess. You yeah. Know? The one yeah. time I... This happened years later, but I remember being at that house and there was gunfire outside in the middle of the day. And mm -hmm. I was kind of like, whoa, because it was, you know, if, if there's if you're sitting at your dining room table and you hear two shots and you pause and you hear nothing more, well, then you just kind of go on with your day. Right. But there yeah. was like two shots and then two more and then a couple more and then a couple more. And so finally, I just went down in the basement, you know, yeah, because yeah. the house was didn't have thick walls or anything. Um, <laughs> And, I, and I'm sitting down in the basement and then somebody starts knocking on my front door mm -hmm. while the gunfire's going on. Oh and I still had that Christmas tree light cross out. Yeah. And I walk up to the front door and um, there's a woman there who uh, was a woman who prostitutes herself, right? Mm -hmm. And she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and I'm like, we're all, I'm like acting like there's no gunfire. Oh, how are you doing? What would you like? Or what do you need? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she just looked at me like, uh, and she couldn't say, like, I mean, obviously yeah. she needed to come inside because there's gunfire outside. But yeah. at the same time, the gunfire had just ceased. Yeah. And we just kind of stared at each other, very awkward social interaction, and she never came inside. And yeah. I've always felt bad about that moment. Yeah. Right. You, know? you should have opened the door. And yeah, I guess I wasn't <laughs> like, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Act like this is normal, that there's like a gunfight yeah. happening outside, you know? Yeah, but I should yeah. I should have acted like, no, this is an emergency. Grab you, get inside. I also didn't know if she yeah. was running from someone or if the gunfire was at her or whatever, you yeah. know? So yeah. I'm glad I answered the door. I'm, I'm ashamed that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to respond once I answered the door. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So you moved into that house. It was a mess. It needed oh. major renovation. 
and we had a lot of help from Lawrence Kerwin, Michael Kerwin's yeah. brother. Um, yeah. And um, there was a guy named Chuck who was there with me for the first three, four, maybe five yeah. months even. And Chuck and yeah. I did not have a good time. We'd not get along very well. And Chuck left. And it was very pain. That was a moment where Simple House could have failed when Chuck left. Yeah. Um, but it was good because we needed to reset the community. Yeah. If you even yeah. want to call yeah. it a community at that point. Things. Yeah. yeah. We had a very yeah. different vision for what was the spiritual life and what was happening. Yeah. Um, but I also want to say that like something that was interesting about this was there's kind of a bad Catholic attitude that I was fighting, um, kind of in myself, but more in others mm -hmm. is that, um, who let you do this was kind yeah. of the idea, right? Like yeah. Catholics are a little bit too much like. Like the reason why Simple House can start is because of the universal call to holiness. Yeah. You know, like we're all yeah. told to go feed the poor. We're all told to go help people. We're all told to do this. It's yeah. not like you, you've you been told a thousand times, why do you need permission? Why do you need a charter? Right. Right. And I remember I got asked by someone like, what is the authority for you to start this? And I, I think you, people were like worried, like, are you counselors? Are you social workers? Are you that was a thing? No? I don't know if that was a thing. I think. Oh, you mean like the church? Like, where did you get? Right. Right. Who gave you church permission in the church? Yeah, it wasn't a secular yeah. world issue. It was like a church world issue. Like That was who? a question I remember being asked a lot, though, early on. Like, well, are you social workers? You know, and we would have to explain that, hash that out. Oh, right. Like, that we didn't have to be social workers to help the poor. Right. And yeah. I think, though, that there's this idea that, like, um, like, there is this thing in the church where you're like a private or a public person. Mm -hmm. So different like organizations in the church have special statuses like the Jesuits, mm -hmm. right? Like um, a bishop can like maybe ask certain things of the Jesuits and he can't ask certain things to the Jesuits because they have some rights, mm -hmm. right? As an organization, they have some rights. Yeah. And that's what it means to be a public person. But to get those rights, you have to follow certain rules. You know? Right. And Simple House, I am so happy, has never been a public person. Yeah. Like we are just some active parishioners who have a nonprofit, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And I think, you know, we're trying to be obedient to pastors and to bishops and things like this, but we don't have any status other than that, you know, right. as just like uh, concerned citizens or Catholics yeah. who do things, right? <laughs> but like, I remember yeah. at being asked um, what our authority was to do this and being troubled by that. And so I had met um, the... A, like director of evangelization for Washington Archdiocese, Archdiocese mm -hmm. Washington. And so I invited him over and he um, said, okay, Clark, yeah, I know I like what you're doing here. And I, and I go, well, you know, I, I want to ask you, uh, do I need like something from the bishop saying I can do this? Like, do I need an, I said, do I need an official relationship with the diocese? Mm -hmm. He just really paused and didn't, wasn't even sure himself, you know? Which in hindsight, I think it's crazy I would need it. But he, he ended up going back to the diocese and coming back like mm -hmm. a week later. And he goes, hey, Clark, you know me? And I'm like, yeah. And uh, his name was Bill. I go, yeah, I know you, Bill. And he goes, all right, that's your relationship with the diocese. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. Uh, yeah. So kind of feeling the authority of it, like having my spiritual yeah. director's permission and like, you know, kind of stamp of approval to go for something that was on my heart was important. Yeah. 
And then also just kind of seeing through this kind of weird Catholic obstacle that we put in front of ourselves that we have to be yeah. sent in some way to do yeah. the things we're being sent to do all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the works of mercy. Right. I don't know. I kind of want to talk about the house more. I mean, it, it was a tiny place. You already said it was the cheapest house. Um, you know, it had like a tree growing into the side of it. Um, a part of it was like a very dark house and part of your sort of monastic experience. There was like no soft furniture in the house. <laughs> you had like all these like wooden stools and hardwood and I remember Cheers. one time we had visitation uh, high school and sent over some girls with one of their teachers and they were like making yeah. lasagnas for people. Yeah. And they were like in the dining room, a simple house and uh, working at the table. And uh, the lady was like, it's just so cold in here. She was trying to hint at me that I need to do something to raise temperature. She's being very polite. This woman was like polite yeah. to the max. And then she yeah. looked up and there's just this like naked light bulb hanging from the ceiling because kind of feels like a um interrogation room in here you know <laughs> so, that was the experience we were giving high schoolers at that time. yeah you know i i love that so like visitation high school is like a really nice catholic girls high school in dc it's in georgetown it's a really nice place, and I just think this is, you know, <laughs> that house was, like, just major hazard, you know, and uh, and they sent girls there every year. Um, yeah, and shout out to Sister Kateri of the CFRs, who was their mm -hmm. um, campus minister or yeah. outreach coordinator at the time, who both hooked us up with the Visitation High School food drive, which was insane. Right, that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they had this competition there where the different sides of the school would try to outdo each other on the food drive, Yeah, which was funny because they'd get like a point per can. So some of the parents would game it and buy like itty they'd bitty to cans like of tomato sauce. Oh, yeah, buy the, yeah. And get like yeah. a thousand of them because they reach for the point. I mean, they were very yeah. competitive, but it, it ended up in these unbelievable, you know, uh, food drive halls, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so the first outreach we did um, was kind of modeled after an Exodus outreach. We, well, actually I met Monsignor Pope. So Monsignor yeah. Pope was, um, I got introduced to him by an old pastor at St. Augustine's. He was dressed by father and he told me I should go talk to Monsignor Pope. I went down to St. Thomas More where Monsignor Pope was pastor, which was something that I think most Catholics have never seen. It was this this unbelievable, um, gospel mass mm -hmm. um african-americans were the majority yeah. of the audience um monsignor pope's not african-american but he was leading it and he's also interesting because he really likes the latin mass but he also but he really can, likes like, the gospel preach mass. the roof off a place yeah and, he and yeah, he, they the also say that when he does the latin mass he preaches like he's at an african-american church yeah. where he's like yeah can i get an amen <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so he was there and I had him drive me around in his car to help me understand where I should start, you know, doing ministry. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to do it to my direct neighbors because of some experience we had at the Catholic worker where your neighbors don't necessarily want, you need to be yeah. a good neighbor, not be yeah. like ministering to your neighbors. Right. So we went um, right next to St. Thomas More on Southern Avenue and um, he was very famous in the neighborhood for being he would this walk kind around of, the neighborhood yeah right and to see a yeah. white priest walking around the neighborhood and walking into buildings like people were 
to kind of give another sense of, I don't want to keep saying how scary it was or whatever, but to give a sense, like people were amazed that he feared nothing. People were amazed that he would walk through like drug dealers and go into buildings. Um, I had a friend uh, who also was very important in our founding, uh, Sarah, who uh, was a teacher down in Southeast. And one time she was walking home, she'd missed her bus to go back to Northwest DC. And she was teaching at a Catholic school in Southeast. And she started walking along one of the major streets in Southeast and a bus careened over through traffic to pick her up. Wow. You know, because they just, seeing a, a, a white young woman walk in the yeah. neighborhood was so shocking to the bus driver. He yeah. halted everything to go pick her up, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the, the situation. Um, that, that all makes it, I'm kind of torn between saying it was like that and saying it wasn't really actually that bad at all, you know? Um, it was a wonderful place in so many ways. And I don't yeah. want to, the fear was somehow very, the fear was there, but it was a little bit unfounded. Well, I, I guess going back to the idea that there was a sort of palpable racial tension, you know, in D.C. And it wasn't like people, people were not like, you're white, get out. It wasn't that. It was just like, why are you here? Why would you want to be here? Don't you know people say you're not supposed to be here? <laughs> like, it was like. Uh, I, I felt like it wasn't. I feel like racial tensions, maybe not the right way to describe it, because like once maybe an awareness like there there was it's like if you were if you were white and walking in southeast, it was like a question mark. Like, why 100%, were you there? 100 percent. Yeah. But it'd be kind of like being black in China. I guess I don't. Yeah. Well, I just mean like it was, <laughs> it was like I don't think people in southeast were threatened by white people in southeast. No, and think, and they weren't like trying to chase you out or something aggressive. There right. wasn't like a, a weird thing right. like that. It wasn't yeah. like you felt their hatred or something. No, you know what right. I mean? It was just like, it was just weird. And then, but then later when people actually start getting displaced, I did feel racial tension. Yeah. You know, then you yeah. started feeling like, why are you here? I resent yeah. that you're here. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I've been here for eight years already like yeah yeah i'm not yeah right um but yeah no, but that yeah was... yeah when, when people uh and people were kind of coming doing some ugly things you know um wanting to change it you know you move down to southeast and then you start making all these changes and right demanding this and that of your neighbors and it was like a little bit ugly right and that's yeah is that still the way it is right now or not um the Southeast is still changing, right? Yeah, I mean, Anacostia is totally different, right, from when we're talking about. Uh, it, okay. It's very different, yeah. Um, well, Monsignor Pope was really good at, um, at being patient with me, I think, because I think I mm-hmm. would a lot of enthusiasm that I couldn't quite figure out how to use, you know? But yeah. he pointed out our target neighborhood, yeah. um, and we did our first outreach, which was you were you and I were organizing it basically, because we we're, mm-hmm. were getting our Exodus yeah. friends and different people. Yeah. And it was an Easter outreach um, in, in 2004. Yeah. And it was a door-to-door mm. outreach. Right. And my goal was to get everyone to Simple House and get them ready to go do the outreach as early in the morning as possible. And I think we did it Easter morning. Is that right? Or maybe we did the day before Easter. No, I think we did it on Saturday. Okay, yeah. We did the day for Easter. Yeah. And I got people. No, because into- because the reason we did it on Saturday was because part of our outreach has always been an invitation to mass. Yes, we were we invited people to Easter mass, and if you could imagine this, we built little bags of goodies for kids. You know, mm-hmm. so they were like little like you know 
toys that were just kind of like the toys you get as like a carnival prize. They were like also oriental like trading company. Right. That, that so the kids think it's yeah. really cool for about 20 minutes, you know? Yeah, and uh, it breaks, yeah. Yeah, it breaks. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> uh, and then we did something really nice for the moms, you know, because the moms are always the focus with Simple House. Mm-hmm. And the kid, the, we kind of do something for the kids so the moms know we love the mom. Um, So we had these like little gift bags that could be given to kids on Easter morning. And then we had like Mm -hmm. a real nice chocolate bunny for the moms, you know, Mm -hmm. an invitation to church. And I think a religious gift, too. It was either camera like a holy card or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my goal was that we were going to get ready to go super early in the morning um, because every time I drove by the streets, there was a lot of drug dealers out on the streets that were really bothering me in my head, like what was going to happen, yeah. you know? And so our goal was to get there early enough in the morning that they weren't out there yet and go door to door. And what I didn't realize at the time is that dealing drugs is a very dedicated profession and you work very long hours. Yeah. Like you're out there 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. Uh, so these guys were already, already standing in front of all the buildings and on the street and kind of doing their thing. And they're very intimidating, you know? Yeah. Um, and probably should be, you know, like they, they're yeah. probably armed and they're, you know, standing yeah. around. And when they kind of saw what we were up to and we kind of proactively, friendly greeted them, they were just so welcoming. And they started yeah. showing us to the doors and said, don't miss this yeah. family. and come meet yeah. my grandma type thing, right? Yeah. And it yeah. was a very beautiful yeah. day. It started yeah. with me, like the stomach, my stomach dropping out because I was worried to like, yeah. this is could not be better. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. think we became longtime friends with some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a memory of that. Um, so it's like we go to door to door, give this invitation to church, give these gifts. And then uh, like you'd ask people if they want to pray it was like, basically has been the idea of all our outreaches and um you know it's like every door you're kind of trying to get a feel for how welcome you are or whatever and uh there was this very shy woman and I couldn't tell if she was bothered that I was there so I um I was like okay well bye you know here's this (laughs) and uh she she was like well didn't you say you're from the church like can't we pray and I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, we can, you know, and uh, and then she asked us to come back and she became one of our longtime friends. But that was a thing that was shocking to me coming from her. She was so shy. But also you, you'd walk into an apartment full of like probably you could tell some illicit activity was going on and you'd be like, oh, hi, here you go. And they'd be like, well, you're a church person. Aren't you going to pray with us? Like, yes, I am. Um, so that, that, that is was, something yeah. I think is so shocking to like kind of suburban sentiments, yeah. you know, like, right. like if you're people, like, <laughs> like when people like, if you like went and knocked on somebody's door and asked them if you wanted to pray yeah, in a suburban neighborhood, you would have just crossed every social Oh, pa, or whatever you want to call it. Well, like possible. if you ever got there, because like we would like, my mom would be like, be quiet, <laughs> hide, you know, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, 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 it's yeah. like a, yeah. But Someone like coming to evangelize. Like yes. In these communities, it's like awesome. Like it's like yeah. if you forget to offer it, they remind you. And yeah. it almost doesn't even matter what's happening. It could be a complete drug den. Yeah, and like totally. Will, yes. They will go into the back room and wake someone up who's taking a nap and pull them to the front room <laughs> yeah, to yeah, get prayer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So the ministry, like from that day forward, was very blessed. Like that was kind yeah. of the breaking of ice that Easter yeah. 2004. Yeah. yeah. It, mm-hmm. You know, to me, that that kind of sums up the founding. You know, we had um, a guy named uh, Chuck ended up leaving somewhat after that. And um, a guy named Jim Hardcastle came. Yeah. Uh, he was great. He was great. He was like kind of a shy uh, missionary, but I remember the guys just like loved him so much. Uh, yes, he was a very yeah. lovable guy. He'd been the manager of a bookstore in Old Town, Alexandria. No, in uh, DuPont. No, 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 Old Town. Oh, I thought they it had, was. They had uh, a location in DuPont. It was a chain. Oh, okay. it, was a, it was a DC it local was the chain. Same. Okay, okay, okay. Can't even remember mm-hmm. the name of it, but he was like Kramers? a manager. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Kramer's was a famous bookstore, but I don't think that was. It wasn't uh, that one. Okay. I don't think they were a chain, but I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, he was great. He was also a lot older than me. So that was like a little bit different because I was like 26 and he was like yeah. late thirties probably. Yeah. Um, but we had a good relationship. And then um, in 2006, we got the other house and you came to Simple House as a live-in missionary at yeah. the other house. Yeah. But I yeah. should say how we worked in those first couple of years was um, <laughs> either my friends, Glennis or Sarah would come as part-time missionaries yeah. or Catholic university had this uh, trailer park in the middle of campus, Yeah, which is hilarious. But the reason why it's so hilarious <laughs> it's gone, is that sadly, I yeah. know, right? <laughs> All the students talked about the trailer park. Like it was so cool. And yet it was like, how is this nice university got a trailer park? You know? <laughs> but it was so desirable yeah. to live there that only seniors yeah. were allowed to live in the trailer park. Yeah. Right? And so you were living there. Yeah. And in order to get people to come do missionary work with me, because I didn't want to go alone, I would come up to CUA, which is yeah. a very long drive, by the way. Yeah. From Southeast DC. It's only Opposite. 10 miles, but 10 miles could be 40 minutes in DC. You yeah. Know? And uh, I would sit down, and of course, no one would be ready. <laughs> or, or her roommates. Shout out to Marcy and Kat. And I would sit yeah. down and uh, wait for 30 minutes while you guys just got ready. And then I would try <laughs> to take you guys down to go do missionary work for the day. Right? Yeah. Um, I remember the very first day that um, one of the part-time missionaries went out with Jim Hardcastle, and I had nothing to do with it. And I remember it being like mind-blowing to me. It was like 2005, and yeah. it was like, the first time ministry happened at Simple House <laughs> where I wasn't there. Yeah. Shout out to Sarah for doing that yeah. with Jim. So yeah. anyway. Oh, you know um, what I just, you also, uh, there were some guys that lived in the trailer. They would come help you with con, with construction, with remodeling. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You yeah. recruited a bunch of people for stuff like that. Yeah. And you recruited the first Christmas outreach and the donors and things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was just kind of the way it was. Like, I feel like 2006 was kind of a turning point because we got the other house and we actually started to slowly build up a community from there. Yeah. You know, before yeah. then, it, it felt much more like it was never truly a one man show, but it kind of was kind of. a. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it kind of was. Yeah. I mean, there were other there was tons of help happening, yeah. but it was still just a crazy person with a house in Southeast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do you have any other memories of that period worth mentioning? I don't think so. Um, yeah, it was it was a very blessed time, though. You know, like it, things like came together 
I mean, a lot of canned food. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was a, like, I mean, for you in the early days, I don't know if you were like taking a stipend when I came, it was like a tiny stipend. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I don't felt like, anything else. Yeah. I feel very blessed that God let us persevere during that period. Yeah. Um, but it did feel like the reason why we were able to persevere, I think, was because we took joy in almost every single little victory. We yeah, had, I, I, know? I like remember like, I mean, and like, this is not my like, thank you, Jesus. Right. Like, I remember like it was like exciting to me, like I'm going to live off of canned food, you know, <laughs> and I like love to eat. So now I'm like, how did I do that? <laughs> I know, like, how did we not just, like, die of sodium or something like that, right? Yeah, and I, I remember there was, like, one day where I, um, it was like I had been eating so much canned food, and uh, I don't think there was, like, a grocery budget at that time, and, you know, canned food is, like, has a certain softness to it, and I, like, went to the grocery store, and I bought myself, like, some crusty bread and iceberg lettuce, and mayonnaise and i just made myself an iceberg lettuce sandwich because i needed something crunchy like it was right, like right. this was yeah um and this is like a good memory but you know i was like so desperate for something crunchy in my diet you know that i went and bought a head of iceberg lettuce um, so one of the kind of like <laughs> rules of simple house is to not make a rule until you have to yeah you know yeah. what i mean like we say morning prayers yeah. a community but we started saying morning prayers a community just so people would start work at some point specifically me <laughs> it was more yeah. than just you but it would be yeah. like people were coming out of college not knowing they were supposed to wake up in the morning and, and get to work yeah. you know so we had to yeah. have like a start of the day and we needed yeah. to pray and it made sure everyone prayed together yeah. and, and yeah. um but like one of the rules we had was we started having a grocery budget sometime after 06 when we had a couple people in the house and then one yeah. of the funny things was it, the, the cycle developed where like the person who cared most about food was typically the one who would kind of get their way into doing the food shopping, right? And then, well, they, I, I think it wasn't exactly get their way into doing the food shopping. It was like there were some people that were very uh, happy trying to do the canned food experiment slash lazy about going to the grocery store. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so it All was right, like, well, let's just say yeah. that we started doing this grocery store run like once a month, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. it, we were so desperate for food at that point that like yeah. there was like lunch meats and like a Jamaican. Uh, it was like uh, no, it was like we would blow our entire grocery budget on like um like olives, uh, Jamaican beef patties, <laughs> and uh, like feta cheese or something. And, but uh, then it would be like in two days, people would just stand with their refrigerator door open eating yeah. <laughs> what was yeah. just bought. <laughs> And then after like two or three days, every Jamaican yeah. beef patty's gone, all yeah. the lunch meat's gone, everything's gone, and yeah. it's like back to the canned goods. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we finally and had to make like rules back to about depressing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, buying like things like rice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to make it through. So. Right. 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 Yeah. Anyway, it was a good. It was a, it was a good time. It was yeah. a very blessed time. Um. And I think the Simple House Missionaries today probably have simple, similar stories, although different. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, right, yeah. Uh, I don't even want to share any of their stories right now that, that come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> but let's wrap this up. Thank you, Laura. 
Thank you, Clark. All right. I'll we'll talk, talk to you soon. next week. All right. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye.